0: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com.
1: In the heart of Birmingham, one team to bring you your weekend geek. It's the Geeky Brummy Show every Saturday, 12 till 1, on Brum Radio. And hello, and if you haven't guessed it, it's me, Ryan Parish, with the Geeky Brummy Show. I'm here today with producer Sean. Hello. hello. Producer Guy, hiding in the back of the studio today. Hello. And we've got special guests. And Nightwing to my Batman, Keith Bloomfield in... Hello! Oh, yeah, if, yeah. So, as you probably guessed, that was Danny Elfman with the Batman theme from the 1989 film. Uh, so, as you probably guessed, we'll be talking a little bit about Batman vs. Superman coming up this week. Uh, we'll also be talking about the South by Southwest Festival uh, technology with Philip Ellis and a little bit from uh, George Ellesmere, who were both in the studio with us last week. And we'll be on our usual geeky goings-on and what's going on in the world of TV. Now we're going to have a quick chat about probably the biggest film that's come out over the last month, which is Batman v Superman. Keith, I believe you had a watch.
2: I went to see it uh, the day it came out, yes. Took my son, we yes. went. Um, it was um, an interesting movie, I think. Um, it's divided critics and audiences. Yeah, I, I th- think... I
1: think- at the moment, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's running at a 30% approval rate, which is from the first raft of reviews. Yeah, which were
2: cr- critics' critics rates low
1: down, yeah. but user reviews are quite yeah. quite positive, really. I mean, my personal take on the film, it was uh, Ben Affleck is probably the best screen Batman there's been for... ever. I think it actually surpassed Nolan with his take on Batman. It, it was going back to more to, like, When the Dark Knight Returns comic books, that older, wiser and probably a little bit more brutal Batman. I mean, what was your take on Ben Affleck?
2: Ben Affleck, I mean, the opening ten minutes of the film, where they kind of introduce Ben's interpretation of Batman, is, is a great part of that movie. Yeah. He really nails that kind of uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman dual identity kind of thing. Yeah. And I think, I've got, I, I agree, um, you know, I have a, v- a very fondness for um, Michael Keaton's Batman. Yes. Uh, as kind of, as kind of a, those Burton Batmans were like, you know, this is... Batman on the big screen for the kind of first time when I was a kid, but I think Ben does a really good job um, as, as an overall film. It's a, it's a, it's a spectacle, you know. Yeah. it's definitely something you kind of need to see in the cinema. Yes, definitely. Um, but again, I kind of, it kind of falls a little for me in the same way that Nolan's Batman films did. That it's a great film, maybe not
1: quite the Batman Superman film that I would have liked no. to have seen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people are expecting this to just be an epic. Probably two hour long fight Just with Batman and Superman duking it out For the yeah. entire period I, mean, I actually preferred the first hour With the focus more on Batman And yeah. his role And how the uh, fight Which you would have seen in Man of Steel Affected Bruce Wayne and how he changed I And mean, I think Zack Snyder's interpretation It's where you'd expect Batman to go Especially with the nod in the Spoiler alert, by the way nodding it where you see Robin's outfit hung up there, which implies that the Joker's killed Robin at this point. Yeah, I'm not refers- sure that's quite a spoiler. Yeah. It was splashed all over the splashed teaser trailer. In the trailer so yeah. it's kind of like
2: give give that away. I think yeah, it's one. It's a film that um, the the environment that they've set up with Man of Steel. is yeah. it's kind of slightly darker, moodier, less. I mean, it's, it's a total flip side to what Marvel have been doing with their film yeah. characters. Yes, definitely. Um, that they've gone with this much more kind of like we need to be a bit more mature, a bit more adult possibly yeah. coming off the fact that you know Deadpool was such a success for being a slightly less kid friendly yeah a bit um, more darker yeah. series but i i'm a bit conflicted i you know i i i enjoyed it again i'm not so sure that the interpretations of those characters are quite what i would like to see i think superman isn't a grim character. He's not a moody character. I think he needed. There wasn't. There wasn't that difference between no, Batman I mean, and Superman in terms no. of the the. You know why there should be a bit of a conflict. Obviously, It's I, set it up in the kind of what the destruction he's caused. Yes, so I think there's, there should be more shades, more um, kind of yeah, going it, on between them as characters.
1: I think it was a very. Dark interpretation, which you can see it's Zack Snyder, so you expect that from Watchmen and 300 yeah. with the way he, he shoots films. It's beautiful, beautiful videography, beautiful setting up, beautiful shots, but I think the plot was a little bit lacking to me personally. I mean, Ben Affleck, as I said, brilliant Batman. Henry Cavill seemed a bit workman like as Superman. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't seem to be enjoying it, but given the material. Yeah. It wasn't
2: a lot for him to enjoy as a no. character. He was very conflicted, very yeah. kind of like, oh, what am I doing? I've caused all this havoc and nobody likes me. Yeah. Um, which I think...
3: Do you think that that's part of the the issue being a superhero, though, that you're always going to have the sort of... You're going to have people that are rooting for you. It's like any, any good guy and any villain, isn't it? There's, there's yeah. always certain people that want you to succeed and others that want you to fail. Do you think that's sort of the troubled superhero psyche? I,
2: I think for, for Batman... Yes. That's definitely where he should be. He's kind of he's definitely pitched as the, the vigilante, the yeah. kind of guy who's taken the law into his own hands. And, and he kind always of,
1: runs that thin line between is he yeah. a hero or is he a villain, depending on your view on him.
2: Yeah, whereas Superman's always been set up as this kind of virtuous character who fights for good, fights for right, is mm-hmm. is the bright light. And I think that's where he works in the in the comic book stories, is that yeah. he's he's the counter to batman's darkness and so there is there they're definitely and this is what what a lot of the dc comics are chari- they're dual characters they're flip sides of each other mm-hmm. which is why batman's rogue gallery are always kind of reflections yeah. of himself it's taken to an extreme and i think with the way the film ends and we won't give anything away i think it, it lacked a little bit of impact there because of the fact that superman he got to a point where you know he was very troubled and not people weren't on his side no. um, but apart from all of that um, Wonder Woman fantastic <laughs> Gal Gadot uh, yeah brilliant. wasn't
1: very impressed with her in the fight scene yeah. the way it went because the whole thing about with the how the fight ends is why didn't Gal Gadot do, do it instead of Superman, yeah. which is kind of a big of a bit of plot floor for me, that one. Yeah. It, it seems, makes me intrigued yeah. to
2: see what they do with her own standalone yes, movie, which definitely. is going to be set kind of in the First
1: World War period,
2: yeah. so that's looking quite interesting. I like the of set little vignettes
1: up. as well, bringing in Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg, yeah. just, just that little t- teaser preview of them. I think
2: for audiences that don't know those characters, that might yeah. be kind of like... What's,
1: go, uh, what's going on what's
2: What's this email that she's just opened up <laughs> yeah. Oops, spoilers um, but it, it, yeah it's kind of like I think um, they rushed I think a little bit of the plot's rushed a little to kind of a yeah. c- crowbar in we've got to get a, establish our raft of characters and they haven't had the luxury like Marvel did to try No, and um, we'll see how it goes with Iron Man and then we might do a little bit well, and then the next one we'll do a little bit more and then we'll yeah. push it a little bit I think they've had to play well, catch up a bit
1: they've had 8 years now if you think about yeah. it from the first Iron Man coming out up until nowadays so it's been a very long slow burn for Marvel yeah. whereas DC's now probably trying to pay a little bit of catch up they've just had the Man of Steel film they've not had a solo Batman film since Dark Knight Returns yeah. which was completely separate as Christopher Nolan made sure it was kept completely separate and an- introducing these ancillary characters like Aquaman Cyborg they haven't had the way that Shield. Um, they've done it through S.H.I.E.L.D. introducing certain back characters yeah. and introducing people through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe and one of my big problems with it, the film itself, was Lex Luthor. I I enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg, but I don't think he was a very good Lex, Lex Luthor. To me, he seemed to be more like running a Mad Hatter slash Riddler kind of line rather than Lex yeah, Luthor. Yeah, I
2: think it he, he was getting a little bit towards a kind of like setting him up as a Joker-esque character. Yeah. I think Lex needs to be a little bit more calculating and a little bit more kind of ruthless. And he seemed to have a lot of... Mm-hmm. Knowledge that yeah. didn't seem to be explained as, as to how he knew all this stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting it probably to be more a little bit like the way um, Jesse Eisenberg was in The Social Network, billionaire mm. playboy, it's got this world biggest world's biggest business. I mean, LexCorp is supposed to be one right. of the biggest ones around in that universe, but it didn't seem more. It didn't seem much of a CEO. He seemed more of a somebody. I don't know was it him trying to take over his dance company just being thrust into the role and he's trying to find his way i think in the film in the film world there hasn't been a definitive lex i mean people will go back to um
2: gene hackman in the christopher reeve ones and he was played as a very comedic character and even though they brought um kevin spacey in for batman returns brian singer's batman uh, not batman superman returns Returns. um even then he was still a little kind of Com, you know, it comedy. was more on the comedic yeah. side, rather than
1: where, whereas in the comic books, Lex is out and out a businessman, yeah. and he's very, very convicted in how he wants to destroy Superman, yeah. whereas in the, as I said, in the previous iterations of Lex Luthor, it was kind of more jokey-jokey. Yeah,
2: yeah. They, they kind of took him down that route of kind of being slightly mad, yes. I think, that didn't do much for his character. No. Um, but... I don't really understand the kind of the hatred that's been railed against the film in no. certain quarters. It's it's okay. It's spectacle. it wiles away. you know it's two and a, over two and a half hours long, I didn't feel like I was sat there. No, um, I mean, you know,
1: how, what was your son's opinion on it? And going from the young, he, he, you.
2: he, he kind of liked it. I think it, he didn't like it as much as he's been, he's been liking some of the Marvel yeah. uh, movies. It was just kind of it was a bit relentless in places. There wasn't mm-hmm. what. I think this particular film lacks that the Marvel yeah. things does is that balance between serious and yeah. lightness, which is what the DC shows on TV yeah. do really well, yeah. is that they, they they can go a little bit dark, but they also yeah. know how to kind of give characters moments of levity, a bit of, a bit of relief
1: from well, the intensity. The thing I'd say about the TV, it probably airs a little bit too much into the campy side sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. That, but. There was no none of that at all in this. It was very straight-laced, very serious film. Uh, there wasn't much levity in it. Yeah. I mean, I think they were trying to put Perry White in as a little bit of levity on how he reacts with yeah. Clark Kent, but it didn't seem to really drop well. Yeah.
2: I think again, it was—it's—it wasn't a sequel. It's not a Superman sequel. It nah. wasn't a standalone Batman film. Nah. It kind of didn't have enough opportunity for um, yeah. Perry to do much for um, Lois Lane to do much, nah. and I don't know. It's—it's it's possibly the fact as well that these characters probably aren't the best characters to do your slightly darker, slightly gritty element to whereas Marvel are doing it with their kind of darker characters so your daredevils, your Jessica Jones kind of lead you down this route where their life isn't quite as glamorous and yeah. um, fun-filled as as other characters.
1: I mean, the other part of it is everybody knows Superman's origin, everybody knows Batman's origin, whereas the Marvel characters, when they started off with Iron Man, he probably wasn't Marvel's flagship character. No. As people think of Spider-Man the X-Men series. So they had chance to give you that origin and background story, where here we're coming in, Batman's been going for 20 years, we don't know how he's been conducting himself, how he's been yeah. doing that. And Superman, you had the Man of Steel, so that's introduced him, so there was no kind of real way to bring batman into the people It was just it's batman he's there and yeah. this is and deal with it kind of thing i mean the bit with the chase scene with the new batmobile very reminiscent of the dark knight chase with the joker i felt that was kind of felt like a beat by beat replay a little mm. bit but for the point of that um but i'm hoping there is a director's cut coming out which adds an extra half an hour back in i think some probably some pivotal plot points within that which yeah got
2: cut out. from what i hear it, it adds a good chunk of, of, of content, some characters that have been cut from this, and that'll be on the, the Blu-ray release that'll be coming yeah. later on in the year. I and think
1: they're pushing to try and get a set theatrical release of the director's cut as well. Which yeah, would I think they're, would
2: they're, a bit, so. they're putting it up as a kind of R-rated um, yeah. cut, but yeah. I think if it, if it helps you know, fill in a little bit of those plot holes, there's already been a few things released on the internet that have filled in some gaps, Yeah, some, some material involving Lex and, and yeah. how he discovers various things, but... Um, I think if you're kind of having to release a film later on with bits added in to make it make sense in the first instance, you should have gone, well, we just released the film that actually makes sense.
3: That was the the point I was going to raise. Surely, you know, I totally understand like product extension and all that kind of Mm. thing if you're going to do extra features on DVDs. But, you know, if a film has sort of gaps in it or if there's more of the story to be told, why not get that? A re- you know the full idea out there right from the off and and hopefully yeah. you tell a better story then i think
2: that's the thing that's definitely come across with this film because of the split that i've noticed over the week that since it's been released a lot of things on the internet that starts with a headline that says Zack snyder explains Yeah, it's like well why should he be explaining surely this should all be on the screen and if he's having to kind of explain to you at a later point what yeah. this all means yeah it's almost, almost like succeeded. the rush to get it out isn't yeah. it it's
3: like right yeah. we've got to get this film out for easter and you know we there's, there's going give, inevitably yeah. there's going to be gaps in it if you try and rush something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's something that a trend that doesn't continue because you don't want films where you have to have DLC on the Blu-ray. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've
2: like, re- released them not quite complete, so there'll be a big download later on for you yeah. to get filling the story <laughs> that you're well, missing.
3: It's the same as if you were watching a TV series and there, there was an episode missing. You know, you would you would think, well, why not? Yeah. Put that sixth or seventh episode of the series in, so it all makes more sense. I just don't understand that. But I yeah.
2: think that's possibly as well. Some, some part of it is the rise of these episodic TV shows, where characters and stories are given time to breathe to come to life. When mm-hmm. you've got a two-hour movie, you know they've, yeah. they've pushed this up to as, as long as they thought they could for a cinematic release. Yeah, you kind of got to bullet point it to an you, extent. Yeah, some stuff's got to go, and um, mm-hmm. it's, it must be difficult for writers to get so much content into. One movie, even in the yeah. comic books, you've got you, you've got story arcs that can last six, seven, yeah. eight, twelve issues. So you've yeah. got time for this to breathe. And I think it, it's a, a little rushed, a little muddled. I think if you've not come into it with with um, much knowledge of the characters yeah. and the stories, you might get a little confused. But I yeah. think that's why audience um, are liking it. Is they're just going, it's a smackdown between Batman and Superman, yeah. and things explode, and they're getting the action quotient that they're going for.
1: Yeah, and I think Zach's done it more for a. Mm, audience with that knowledge of Batman and Superman from the comic books there's quite a lot of references back to some yeah. of the biggest ever Batman and Superman storylines uh, there's quite a lot of beats in there which people who watch the show and comics will know about but it, it was ai don't know it's a solid five out of ten for me it's not it wasn't overwhelming it wasn't yeah. underwhelming it was slap bang in the middle the fight scenes were great plot was convoluted and i um, I'm I'm waiting to see if the director's cut fixes some of these issues. Yeah. I mean, having Batman using guns as well is pretty much a massive no-no in the comics. Whereas he uses them quite a lot. Yeah, in I this.
2: think I think people getting hung up on that is not so great. Over yeah. his history and in, yeah. different, in different interpretations of he his has characters, used guns He's kind in of it done in, these things. And I think it. the universe that they're creating, yeah, it's kind of like well. I can understand why he's doing this, and, yeah. and and some of that is a is a flat. There's a, a part of the a film yeah. which where we where we have a kind of flash mm-hmm. forward dream sequence, yeah. um, which takes that a little bit to to a bit a little bit further. But I, yeah. it's kind of like it doesn't take me out of the fact that he's still he's still Batman. He's using different techniques and different yes. methods and stuff. So it's a different interpretation. It's like yeah. people you have different interpretations of Sherlock. You have different interpretations mm-hmm. of characters like Robin Hood. Yeah. So to get hung up on something that's fifty, sixty, seventy yeah. years old. I wouldn't I don't particularly like that interpretation of Batman, but then also as well, I don't like particularly interpretation of Batman where he's not detecting, he's not yeah. doing that kind of thing. Yeah. For me, the world the words world's greatest detective yeah. are synonymous with that character and he um, doesn't tend to do that in the live action stuff.
1: No, I mean there was a little bit of detecting in this one and it was actually good to see him doing some of that yeah. for a change in his Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Bits but I Batman. think
2: the last time I really saw Batman do detecting on screen was in the sixty six version. Yes. You know, he had microscopes and stuff in his, <laughs> and his back caves. Being and a scientist. Kind of stuff. Yeah. But then I think as well, well for me what what great moment was that yeah. before the film started they trailered yeah, uh, um, the Lego Batman. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, I hate to admit it, but I was kinda linking of that's the Batman movie I want to go and see yeah it, it was I mean, it was great Will Arnett's nailed that yeah, completely he's got
1: brilliant. that 60s camp Batman carried through into the Lego version of that if yeah. you watch the Lego movie it was kind of very self-referential with that yeah. one and I think that's going to be great but um out of 10 what would you give Batman versus Superman
2: yeah at six six seven yeah. I think it, it's a good film in that kind of blockbuster yeah. thing but I think again it's not the best Batman, Superman film. Um, So it's kind of like, yeah, it was enjoyable. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch it again on Blu-ray at some point
3: I'm going to try and get to I haven't actually seen the film yet by the way so um, thanks for uh, taking me through the majority of it you, you, you managed you, to avoid spoiling yeah, yeah. it. I, I, I wouldn't say don't yeah. go and see it yeah.
2: I think it's definitely a film you have to go and see and make your own opinions yeah. don't listen to critics this well is, that's, yeah.
3: that's the point I was going to make I, do, I mean ultimately again I'll, I'll come back to you on this after I've had time to see it so I'm hoping to go and get there over the next couple of days but I mean, do you think sometimes these kind of films are just taken a little bit too seriously? Is you know, Do you have it, to take it with a pinch of salt to an extent?
1: You should be taking any comic book movie with a bit of a pinch of salt, I think, and having yeah, that, because yeah. you have to divorce yourself and go into that fantastical world where people can fly and shoot lasers out of their eyes. Exactly, yeah.
3: If somebody's flying around the room or flying around the city throwing cars around, I'm not yeah. going to worry yeah. too much about this, you know, take any very seriously. They're
2: archetypes as well as characters. So yeah. I think it's, it's like, like I said, Sherlock, Robin Hood, mm-hmm. any of those things. Is like, if this version doesn't work for you, then there's probably a version yeah. out there in another medium course, that yeah. will work yeah. for you. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, if you don't like this particular interpretation, then there's probably the animated versions or there's Nolan's. So the yeah. people who love Nolan's version that won't
1: like this. Yes, and I think it's, it is a very very different interpretation. I'd say between. Yeah. Is from is what I'm going to coin him. He yeah, and it's going, it's going to last
2: for a few years. We'll get yeah. through Justice League. You know, it'll, yeah, it'll make money or not make money. And I think some of some of the whole thing is is that it's come down to budgets mm-hmm. and marketing and wanting to make more money than the last movie made. and yeah. That's probably
3: not the the way to go about making that's a film. that's usually when quality goes out the window, doesn't yeah. it? When when yeah. people are more concerned about the bank balance rather than the quality, then things do tend to go south yeah, and yeah. I think Warner are trying to kind of play
2: catch up and are kind of looking at that, we can we can spin this out into multiple yeah. films. It's well, make a good film make a good film with a good story yeah. and I'll quite happily hand over my
1: 8, 10 quid or whatever it is to go and see it at the cinema
2: or the, or way, the extra 20 do. for the DVD that's got the yeah. scenes
3: that should have been in the film in the first place yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean
1: we've just had a tweet in from a guy called Trilson Fisk who's at Spider Mouse on Twitter and he said it's visually stunning, well acted with a flawed screenplay and haphazard editing which I kind of would pretty much agree with that I mean especially the dream sequences which were popped in without warning and it was kind of is this what's going on now? Is this future? Is yeah. this actually going to be what happens? Or that—that that was kind of they were dropped in. Rather yeah, than I mean,
4: I've
2: seen explained. I've seen Kevin Smith on the internet I'd, had gone and seen it by himself. Yeah, um, didn't particularly enjoy it the first time round. Then he took Jason Mewes with him to go and see it, and then yeah. kind of he got more from it because there was yeah. a point where Jason sees something and goes, oh, "That's." Yeah. such, and searching, and was overwhelmed with it, yeah. and uh, it's. Uh, I think it's a a polarising movie. There's going to be people that like it. There's going to be people that... I mean, the subplot
1: with the senator as well wasn't really explained, wasn't really done correctly, in my opinion. It was kind of just, we'll slot it in. Uh, Something will happen. It should affect Superman, but we won't ever reference it again for the rest of the film. And it was kind of like, well, why was that included? Which, again, I'm hoping the director explains a little bit more. But I recommend, if you're a fan of Batman and Superman... Go and see it. Recommend it. It's going to be. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. Ben, ben, ben Affleck is yeah. is great. There's
2: no denying yeah. that. As as a, a, a his interpretation of Batman. Yeah. Is is really nice. He he really rises to the to the occasion in, mm-hmm. in terms of of that performance. Yeah. You know,
1: you yeah. Know. He is one of my best Over screen Batman. I think him he's probably edged out Nolan um, Christian Bale's interpretation in the Nolan films in my opinion because more of a. What I'd expect Batman to be, and what I expect Batman to look like—a grizzled, yeah. hard-earned fighter—whereas Christian Bale was probably a little bit too skinny towards the end of it. Yeah, I
2: mean, the maturity that that Affleck has, yeah. has brought to it, you can kind of see that—the slightly grayed. Him, you know. That he's got, yeah. You
1: know, they, they put a bit of. Um... And special shout out to Jeremy Irons as Alfred, which is yeah. one of my favourite ever Alfred interpretations. You may remember we had Philip Ellis talking about the story show, which is due to start soon on Brum Radio, and that will be spoken word little mini stories that you can either hear as a show or dropped out throughout the schedule. Uh, he also stopped on with George Elsmore from Caramel Latte Kiss cosplay to tell us about his experiences at South by Southwest. Which is a massive festival, which is over in the states. Uh, he went there to have a quick look at the tech. So uh, have a quick listen. Hello, hi. For those people who don't know what South by Southwest or SXSW is, it used to get shortened to. Can you explain what SXSW is?
5: Um, okay, so I was at. I mean, it's it's one of the the biggest media and entertainment festivals in the world, um, and it, it's separated into to two halves. Really, there's um, South by Southwest Interactive, which is the first week, and that is. Um, kind of a corporate event i mean it's it's uh any company um or brands working within technology media um business that kind of that kind of space they're there to show off all their cool new stuff um which is as as a tech journalist for me that's obviously really interesting and then um it goes into um south by southwest uh, music and film uh, and tv festivals which is where all the um uh, you know, fil- lots of, lots of films get their first screenings. They have loads of bands performing. They have um, it's kind of, of kind of a yeah, a lot of unsigned artists
1: I know appear yeah, there it's, and it's, it's kind a, of a so way it's, to launch themselves.
5: Absolutely, yeah. Because um, yeah. there's, I mean, every single bar in Austin, whether you have a pass or not, there's there's bands and they're all amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I was at just the first half. So I was at the um, the interactive half, just looking yeah. at um, all of the um, the technological and, and social media um, mm-hmm. panels and. and chatting to lots of very cool interesting people there
1: and i believe you picked three things in particular which
5: yes so i have got my my three highlights um so um the first one uh was i was very lucky and i got into the jj abrams panel um so he unfortunately there was no sneak peek footage of the new star wars um but uh there was um a a nice little look at his new hbo uh series which he's producing called westworld which is based on the uh, Michael Crichton novel and film of the same name. yes the original 70s, 70s film
1: with Yul Brynner I believe uh,
5: yes. yes so this time around it's uh, Malcolm McLaren um, mm. who is I believe the the Genius scientists playing God and creating artificial intelligence um, for this theme park, and presumably things are going to go horribly awry when the robots become self-aware. yeah, um, so that looks very, very cool um and and also um jJ was just chatting in general about um taking over the star wars franchise and uh, and one of the things he said, which um, I just thought was quite um, fun, was, I've never heard of a time when you when someone said this is what the fans want and it's actually worked. Which is yeah. why, so he he was basically saying that he felt no pressure to, um, to you know, um, pander yeah. to fans. He really wanted well, um, to, to go off and, and kind of just do his own thing and tell, tell yeah. his own story. Well, I'm sure he had that with the Star Trek franchise. He had the backlash. I mean, the first yeah, one and, I, I, the, and and I, I think he's better suited to Star Wars than to Star Trek personally. Yes. Uh, I think he tried to turn the Star Trek franchise into Star Wars, which is why it's just a generic action show, um, action uh, movie series yeah. now, rather than having the the science in the science fiction. Yeah. Um, but, but the Star Wars, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and another cool thing he, he said was um, he wanted to um, move away from the CGI awfulness of the prequels and yeah. give it that analog feel, um, which he's we all turning all kind off of the lens flare then. Well, yeah, there was minimal, <laughs> minimal lens flare like, compared to um, the Star Trek uh, films, yes, um, yeah. and and it it works. I mean, I, I think I can remember this, this, maybe there was one CGI character in the Force Awakens, and we'll we'll have to wait and see how well that yeah. ages. Oh, that was um, Maz Maz Kanata. so that was Lupita yeah. Nyong'o's yes. um, character who's um, unrecognisable as you can probably guess well uh, absolutely yes <laughs> um, and, 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 and I think that was the, the point for her I think she wanted to do um, a voice uh, yeah. role where she wa- her, her face and her body weren't the point it was yeah. just embodying a character in a different way mm-hmm. um so, so, yeah, that, that was the J.J. Abrams panel, and that was just, um, as, as a bit of a, a nerd and as someone who absolutely loved The uh, the Force Awakens, that was yep. that was fun for me. Um, and then the uh, second highlight for me was the um, the health tech and med tech uh, stuff that I saw there. So lots of very, very cool stuff. So I held in my hands a 3D-printed liver, wow. which was Wet and squishy and disgusting and so cool, yeah. Um, and so they're they're using this technology to model surgery and and mm. basically just make. Um, all of their kind of um, transplant um, operations even even more accurate and successful. Wow. Um, there's other really, really cool stuff going on. I mean, most of this coming is coming out of Japan. Yeah. Um, because, well, first of all, the Japanese are bloody good at technology. Yeah. Um, and also they have a rapidly um, growing, uh, super aging population. Yes. Um, and they're... You sort of, I think it's something like thirty percent of the population is over the age of sixty. Yeah, I think they
1: have the most aged population in the in, world. In the world, yeah, yeah.
5: Um, and and also one of the lowest fertility rates. So yeah. they're they're really invested in um, figuring out, you know, how to uh, help uh, people have a healthier later life. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's things like there's a, ma- a scanner uh, called Simax, uh, which yeah. you install in your toilet, and it will scan your Wii, and it will uh, text you if you have early indicators for um, illnesses like diabetes. Heart disease, hmm. um, gout, um, high blood pressure, yeah, um, Alzheimer's, um, and um, also uh, tumors as well. So wow. uh, that's the 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 problem. There is basically you know you don't you only go to the doctor when you're already ill. Yeah, um, and so it's kind of helping people be more proactive in their own health.
1: Yeah, and I think um, that's the way technology is moving is more and more predictive. Absolutely, and, of, and I mean yeah. even
5: just in with your iPhone, you know, tracking yeah. your own health data. Um, yeah. Then the health kit, which I think has come out in with the the latest apple release it's um yeah. encouraging everyone to track their own bodies yeah um but then i think the next step is you need to have some easy actionable step where if you know if you get some kind of warning data then you know what, yeah. what do you do about it rather yeah. than just self diagnosing on google which is the worst thing that anyone could do yeah
1: webmd um, is probably the most dangerous I mean, website <laughs> absolutely yeah.
5: um and and and, and i meant just to uh, to Rush through some of the other health tech stuff. There was a robot suit, so if you mm-hmm. have um, some kind of physical disability, you can suit up like Iron Man, and it will communicate yeah. directly with your brain. And that uh, might and be helping the cosplayers out. In a well, months. absolutely, yeah. So it's called HAL, <laughs> um, uh, and that, that and and not just for people with disabilities, but also yeah. for carers. So if you're doing a lot of lifting and moving of patients yeah. um, in your job, you know it's backbreaking work, so it helps them. Kind of, you know, yeah, takes I know. The strain
1: off. Yeah, I know. The American military are looking very much into exosuits at the moment to help to improve their soldiers' performance out in the field. A- absolutely, doing yeah. So and giving
5: you in. that extra um, sort of uh, strength and, and, and mobility. Um, what else was there? There was things like you can now do, and I think this is very very cool. You can now do um, open heart surgery with VR. Wow! So you um, the the endoscope is going to be a 360 uh, camera a Mm. spherical 360 camera which is you can insert into somebody's body and you can see their anatomy from the inside in real time which is just Mm -hmm. mind-blowing and so again it's just going to help make all surgeries much more accurate and much more safe yeah um so yeah, so that was the the second highlight for me was all the the health and med tech, which I just think is um, yeah, the future is here basically. Yeah. Um, and the third uh, thing which I found really really interesting was the online harassment summit. Mm. Um, so there were people from all different um, areas of expertise. So um, I chatted to uh, a US congresswoman, uh, Catherine Clark, from the state of Massachusetts, about the okay. legislation she's written, uh, which is um, seeks to. Um, both protect victims of cyberbullying and trolling, yeah. and also penalise the victims, uh, penalise the perpetrators. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and and uh, also um, there was uh, there were law enforcement officers there and yeah. saying um, you know the steps that are being taken to train um, police um, in in how to deal with these cases, um, and all the way through up, through up to um, people from companies like IBM uh, yeah. talking about the responsibility of technology companies um, mm-hmm. to to really take a stand um, against sh- online harassment.
1: Yeah, and I think social media should be leading the fore in that. I mean, you have got absolutely Twitter, yeah, Facebook, so how, do, how
5: do social media, yeah. how do social networks design around this problem rather yeah. than simply creating a, a an open platform where you you have to trust people to be good to each other? Yeah,
1: well, the perfect example would have been Stephen Fry after the BAFTAs, who was having a joke with one of his well-known friends uh, who won mm. the costume design bafta for mad max and he made some jokes yes. saying she looked a little bit like a bag lady <laughs> yes. and he had a massive backlash on twitter not knowing this was a personal in joke between him and, and that's per- it i mean all yeah.
5: nuance and context gets lost once once you've hit yeah. send um, and then um, the response is mm. just so disproportionately nasty uh, no matter what yeah. you know it, it, no matter how small your uh, Transgression on social media is once it's out there. Yeah. Um, if people feel that they have like a, a, a you know a carte blanche to attack you, then they will. And, and because so, it's worldwide, and uh, something goes it's viral, it's instantaneous. Yeah. It's global. It's it's kind of unstoppable. And so it's how do we kind of turn that tide?
1: I mean, George. Uh, sorry, we've got George Ellsman joining us as well from Safe Harbor Cosplay and Caramel Kids cosplay. Have you ever suffered any online harassment with doing the cosplay and um. the blogging?
4: I've been quite lucky so far. You get a little bit
6: of it. You occasionally get some slightly odd requests. Um, I'll put it that way. (laughs) 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 Which is always interesting. Definitely that. I mean, you you do see it happen. Uh, I think a lot of the time it's other cosplayers, bizarrely, will, will go at people that they feel... Are doing something that they don't agree with. Uh, a lot of women yeah. get it in particular. So um, uh, we had a conversation off-air earlier on about mm-hmm. that, and that you get that kind of gatekeeper response and testing whether you're actually geeky enough, or if you're just doing it to uh, to make men fancy you. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of that sort of attitude, and yeah, that kind of idea of being attention-seeking. But there are, but I'm talking about it, social media and doing it through, on, through yeah. the online harassment side of it. There are campaigns going, things like I Cosplay, which are yes. very, very anti cosplay, brilliant. That working really hard to kind of stop that sort of thing from happening.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's going to be and the thing that's going to grow and grow as social media gets more and more powerful. Is this now this anonymity that people feel online that they they don't have a person personally online and they can say what they want and offend
5: who they want yeah, exactly there's this um it's called oh what's the term um on internet disinhibition where you if you're typing something into a screen um you forget Literally, you, your brain uh, ch- changes the way it sees that person. You don't believe you're l- talking to a real person. And so you don't believe that the the comments you're making have, have real harm. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is the amount of abuse that happens on Facebook where it's not anonymous, where you have your real name and your real face. And mm-hmm. people are still harassing um, people. They're still posting racist, xenophobic, sexist um, Probably not. Um, I was out of 10, they wouldn't say that in the relative face. They, it's wouldn't, just say, they wouldn't say it to, to your face. They wouldn't say it to your face. They wouldn't say it if they were stood in the room with you. But the, it's it's interesting because I had always thought, like like you say, that um, when you're anonymous, you have that safety. But it's um, becoming clearer that um, as long as it's online and not in person, actually, it's not even anonymity that g- gives people the, yeah. the power. It's just having that medium distance, yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that, Phil. Any thank other you.
1: highlights that you spied there?
5: Um, I Well, I got to see Willie Nelson in concert while I was in Austin, <laughs> which was quite fun. Uh, but, but, <laughs> Classic artist, of course. Yeah, um, uh, um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, that, that was my, main, my, my big, big three. Uh, I could mm-hmm. talk all day, but yeah. that's, that's the, the three coolest things that I saw at South by Southwest.
1: Yeah. So thank you very much to George. Again, Safe Harbor Cosplay, Caramel Latte Kiss Cosplay, and com. we can yep. find you. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, Philip. Philip, tech freelance journalist. And you. what's your website, Phil? It is
5: freelancephilip.co.uk.
1: So you can find Philip there if you ever need any freelance writing needs there. And also you'll be doing a radio show for Brum Radio soon, which will be Spoken
5: Word and you can catch up and find out more about on the Brum Radio website. Uh, yes that's right um, so any writers um, who want to get involved with us just send us an email at stories at bromradio.com
1: right um, so that pretty much wraps up geeking goings on I'm now off to London to go and see Chandler Bing in a play with the missus uh, next week we'll be talking Kitacon we'll be having a um, very expansive review I went, I had the opportunity to go down yesterday talked with a few of the dealers a few of the people so we are be having a bit of a kitcon special on that one have a great week everybody and we'll see you soon see you all Bye. 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 Hello, you're listening to Geeky Brummy on Brum Radio with me, Ryan Parrish. And today in the studio, there is just me and producer Guy. Hi, Guy. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Have a good week. It's
7: been mm-hmm. all right. Yes, not too bad. Good, good. Not too shabby.
1: Yeah, so this week's going to be a really action-packed show. You just heard the Because We Can song from the Mulan Rouge soundtrack. And... This is because we're talking about Kids' Con Carnival today, which me and Guy got a chance to attend. Uh, we'll also be chatting to our TV correspondent, Paul Hadsley. Uh, and we'll tell you about what's going on in the world of geek this week. So next up, uh, we'll be talking to our TV correspondent, Paul. You watched Supergirl this week. What were your thoughts?
8: Yay, Supergirl returns. It was great. And re- mainly that's the subplot of Ally McBeal mm-hmm. wanting to find out why Supergirl, if her flower was Supergirl. Yes. And it was like, well, that's not necessary. But we, the main question is, I don't know if this is a spoiler cliffhanger or what, but if the leader guy is actually... David act- Harewood. David Harewood is actually... Birmingham-based actor. Is he? Yes. He's
1: from Birmingham. Yes.
8: We're doing well with Birmingham-based Very actors well. and yeah. sci-fi right at the minute, aren't we? I'm sure you have talking about the Star Wars mm-hmm. trailer. The, Ru- the Rouge one. Yes. Um, Rouge like, one, yeah. Rouge one. Yes. The Rougely one. Is good, it? <laughs> or Star City Wars. This yes. Is, is this going to be your show? This should definitely be the show. Just yes. Star Wars-based hashtags. Anyway, off from tangent already. Um, Star Wars Birmingham.
0: Yep.
8: Yes. Uh, if so he he is the Man-Martian. Or he is like the him. Martian
1: Manhunter as one of the founding members of the uh, Justice League.
8: Uh, so the Doctor will be coming around to sort him yes. out in a bit if he's and a Martian. And he's the only up.
1: person powerful enough in the DC Universe mm. to take out Superman.
8: Is he able to... Oh, so Martians are quite powerful then, yes, he's very <laughs> powerful he yeah, has telepathic powers so. our, our gravity isn't is, or oh, like Mars's gravity isn't as big isn't no. that important so how do they get his he has
1: telepathic powers and shape-shifting and abilities, shape-shifting abilities mm-hmm. and he's one of the most powerful people in the DC universe
8: so oh, so he's the Martian Manhunter then yes the Doctor he's not an ice warrior no I'm trying to think of anything else that comes from Mars <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't sometimes meet Bugs Bunny
1: no but <laughs> Yeah, and now yeah. Supergirl obviously knows who he is, so that yeah. should be quite interesting. Good, yeah. And I think he's going to have to pitch in against the rest of the Kryptonians.
8: Yeah, there's loads of Kryptonians about, so that's going to be. But it's building up nicely. Supergirl, actually, I did miss mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think she, the actress is very good. I've not talked about it on the show yet, but uh, the actress is cute and just what you need. And then yeah, uh, and I think can,
1: it's hopefully going to be a better second half of the series than the first what one
8: was. received badly I, I liked it and strangely it, my mum my who doesn't like any sci-fi anything that's not a Victorian costume drama with bodices ripping she likes Supergirl but she only really watched it because of Calista Flockhart but she's taken to it I think
1: it struggled a little bit in the ratings in the first half of the really? season in the States yeah. but I think it'll pick back up now I mean I think, so. think that's probably why they showed throwed the flash into the second half Shh, of the series I don't know
8: that but also <laughs> you know, it'll be coming up soon sh- they uh, also uh, also those excellent MSN Messenger chats with Clark will definitely keep <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's Superman! No, oh, he's here. We can talk to him. We can't show yes. him. Yeah. But uh, yeah.
1: I'm sure Henry Cavill's a little bit busy doing press tours around the world uh, at the minute.
8: Okay. It doesn't have to be Henry Cavill. It's got to be Superman. I am sorry but if the Flash is going to be in, in the film, is not. As Grant Gustin. And if
1: Again, it's this whole thing about how Supergirl's yeah. on CBS in the States and how the rest of it's on the CW Have, network. I
8: would be happy with Smallville Superman turning up. That's fine. If The Flash yeah. is going to. The Flash you've got
1: is Dean Kane. Dean Kane. The with, New with, Adventures yeah. of Lois and Clark.
8: He's already in it. But yeah, any Superman. Brandon Ralph wants to turn up. Mm-hmm. Anyone wants to turn up. <laughs> any Superman yeah. is fine so yeah Supergirls we're quite glad to see it's back and I like it I don't care what people say Mm -hmm. I could do about Clint Fluckart, but you know if it keeps me on watching (laughs) obviously she's not for me
1: no So, take it. You haven't seen Arrow this week.
8: Uh, I have seen Arrow spill out into yes. all the other series this yes, week.
1: Yes, it was a bit of a Dawson's Arrow episode again, uh, with the whole centering around Felicity and Arrow's relationship. And it's gone like, move on now, guys. Move <laughs> on. Move on. <laughs> Let's have some fight scenes. Everyone
8: else is guest starring on the other series. <laughs> yes, pretty much Because Helmet Man again. I don't know many yes. names. Don <laughs> Diggle. John Diggle came Who up. is
1: Spartan now? He's actually got yeah. his own. He's actually started to appear in the comic book, so he's oh. a guy who's contrasted over from the TV to oh, the comics. I
8: see, clever. So Diggle yes. was in The Flash, along with his Lee wife, Diggle, wife yes. yeah. uh, and then Oliver was in Agents of the Legends, Legends of Tomorrow, i confusing, getting confused between others So yeah, it did mm-hmm. seem like Arrow was everywhere this week. Yeah. So a little minor crossover, it's not really a massive crossover. No,
1: nah, I mean, I think it's a way to introduce the character to somebody who hasn't. Yeah, I've seen Arrow or Flash, I've and Beast's I've seen Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah.
8: was the one I miss out on, but yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, let's uh, Legends of Tomorrow standard episode last day. Oh, I watched it and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Future Oliver.
1: So you're not a big fan of Legends of Tomorrow so far. Is it improving uh, it for you?
8: Depend I'm I'm a big fan or not depending on which characters they focus on. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a subplot with uh, romance with the half of Firestorm. Yes, and Hawkgirl. Girl. Hawk Hawk girl yeah. Yes. Everyone decided no. Let's not have romance on that. No hanky panky in the TARDIS, yes. which it is the TARDIS uh, <laughs> spaceship TARDIS. Yeah. Yes. And then it seems to be who's going to be argumentative this week, and this time mm-hmm. it was Black Canary, White Canary. White Canary, um, yeah, yeah. She was decided to be the argumentative one. Everyone seems to take up against Rory for some reason. <laughs> it's just random well, I think
1: it's because he's still impersonating Malcolm Reynolds <laughs> yeah. slash John Barman from yeah. well, Captain... What yeah. was he? Captain... Uh... Captain Jack. Captain Jack and
8: Doctor Who. Yeah, I yes. don't know his name in Arrow, but yeah, yeah. So, but yes, again, we got to see the future of the Arrowverse and mm-hmm. potentially some future arrows if they the young junior yes. is the son the the person that was the Green Arrow in the future was that supposed to be Diggle's son or something? Or uh, there's
1: been no real mm. chatting about it. I, I mean, many assuming. people most. <laughs> Most people do know is Oliver Queen is the Arrow yeah. in most of the DC universes. There has been Good other people take it identity, on the mantle, and it's kind of yeah. the whole thing with how Batman and Robin. So you yeah. got Dick Grayson yeah. taking over Batman at one point, even where he was Nightwing himself, yeah. and the whole thing there. So. Yeah. He can't be the same person forever, of course. No. Same as how Flash has been multiple people. Is he
8: immortal? It, is,
1: he heals. Flash has the speed force, and he and time travel, and but it, it has, has been a- multiple Flashes. So we of had Jay Garrick, so. yeah, who was the means. original Flash from the yeah. Spirit Comics, I think it was. Uh, probably incorrect, but. Let's not get into this. Nah.
8: It does take a while, and you get Teen Titans involved. Yes. I'm not getting involved. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. The Flash that was, brings us onto the Flash, so, yeah. The Flash was uh, interesting this week. So, zoom. Oh. The reveal of Zoom. Again, the reveal of Zoom. It wasn't even in the episode. It was a complete other episode about getting to know... A f- potentially a future flash Wally yes. West and, possibly yeah, and a uh, big giant shark which again I love the flash but shark sometimes King, yeah sometimes it just has these moments of like come on let's not just focus time on a massive gorilla or a shark faced man He's bigger than he was before I'm sure the scale issues well,
1: 23 episodes they can't really eke out one villain across the entire series <laughs> so I think yeah, they're, they're trying about, to bring in a little bit more of the monsters of I the week it, from the comic book yeah
8: I wish it was yeah monsters of the week as well I mean I wish it'd stick to what it's good at you know there's time travel or not time travel but you know speed force off, yeah. pushing the limits of endurance, tolerance, and.
1: I mean, the Earth 2 was a fun little yeah, adventure. Exactly,
8: f 2, other flashes, yeah. <laughs> other speedsters, people with ice guns. Yeah. And then there's like a massive shark, you're like, oh. And then they just, you know, it bit into the house, they carried on with their lives. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's kind of like, you imagine Wally West, sorry, Detective yeah. Joe West yeah. repair wheels must be getting yeah. a bit huge now, the amount of people who've beaten through his
8: house and that makes me laugh about um, Legends of Tomorrow it says on the the intro the voiceover is doing a bit of a Giles thing like in every generation there is a time travelling bunch of people Um, but then he says, that like, I assembled an elite group of, of, of people to try and take down Vandor Savage. Like, you didn't. Mm-hmm. You you brought some misfits, some of whom were evil yes. and still trying to start their own evil empire in the future. Some of whom were
1: a former Superman and yeah. now is pretending to be That's, Iron Man. Yeah,
8: but still, you got an ice <laughs> gun and a flame gun, man, who were trying yeah. to, you know, they're only here to, to take things down. It's not an elite group of anything. It's a ragtag bunch of misfits that you look well, at. the whole really point at.
1: is he has to find people who don't affect the timeline in yeah, the future but yeah. still have some yeah. speciality about them. yeah. Well, we'll Which see. is why you don't have the arrow and the flash there, know, of course. He,
8: I think Iron, Iron Man, Ant Man, mm-hmm. he would. He's got a small suit. Yes, Iron, Man, yeah. <laughs> Iron Man, Ant Man. Yeah. Talking about
1: Iron Man, Bring this onto the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. what did you think of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? This Agents
8: week? of S.H.I.E.L.D. Firstly, though, we need to finally just put a pin on this flash yes. because it did end on a cliffhanger. That, that Jay Garrick is talk. zoomed Jay Garrick is, how does that even work because he killed Jay Zoe- Garrick so shouldn't he be fading out now yeah
1: but which earth uh, is this Jay Garrick from oh god
8: there's more than one earth there's more yes. than two earths oh no if we go into the
1: comic books there was infinite earths at one point infinite earths and they had the Christ of infinite earths and then they had Flashpoint <laughs> as well so there's been uh, many many versions oh of people dear. but was it well, if you we remember at season one the reverse flash yeah. was not Dr. Wells. Yeah, that's, that's, that's
8: what I was going to say like you know the, it could be someone impersonating or inhabiting yeah so yes. uh, who will it be so even now we've got a reveal we haven't got a reveal yeah well Ugh, thanks for that <laughs> it still continues <laughs> you, you
1: know there's always going to be a twist it never goes yeah. never goes through yeah, it's true
8: so not yeah right. um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with the evil landing. evil ward well no what episode did you see um yes. We saw just his boss this week. Yes. I'm sure I've watched a lot of because I didn't see Warden's well, Hall. Really. No, and he's still in the background. He's in the often. background, yeah. And they talk but quick it's quick.
1: the whole thing about how um, Colson mm. has been... Well, you may remember the general that he's with from Heroes, where he played... Uh, yeah, that
8: wasn't this week either. Which, which Nathan was, I'm a week behind, I, I think, think. you're a week behind because this week, at least the one I watched yes. or had recorded for me, was the, general, the leader of... Uh, Hydra yes. and his daughter talking about Ward, and then yes. doing Hydra things in Russia with the oh. Russian president.
1: Oh yes, sorry, yeah, I'm back up to date now. Yeah. Sorry, I can't yeah. remember which week is which. Uh,
8: and then it, 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 it annoyingly it it had one of my worst devices in television in that it had the capture before the. Yes, you know, so they're on an adventure, but it sort of showed they're being captured first. I've seen this in many, yes. it's usually in detective dramas. I've seen it in. Many things, actually. But, you know, Angel did it with Wesley when he was telling a story, and it's just yeah. basically a device to frame the narrative, but two people were captured, and then they told the story of how they got captured. It's like, well, wh- yes. why am I watching the bit before they're captured? I know well, they're going to be captured. the whole
1: point of this week's episode, of course, is a setup for Marvel's Most Wanted, where uh, Hunter and Mockingbird are off doing their own thing uh, now, so it was the way for them to escape yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D., yet still be around.
8: They can't be agents. It was like a sad ending, yes. actually. It was quite a... An emotional it, ending. It was
1: quite an emotional ending. I mean, I enjoyed the villain with the whole Mister Shadowy in mm. between the wall, popping in, popping out. Yeah, and it was nice for not to have Daisy just overpower everybody <laughs> by making an earthquake or for a electricity change. Yes, or electricity
8: boy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was just a sad ending. Actually, so mm-hmm. one thing that Shield or the Marvel side of things seems to have more than DC is the pathos and the emotions Yes, uh, DC seems to be more set. Uh, well, all focus on the cool factor and things, you know, not that. really doing the techno babble that well and the science. Is yeah. like blah, 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 blah. Well, with
1: Dawson's blah. Arrow, it's it's a bit too much focused on the relationships uh, yeah. and the interactions at the yeah. minute, whereas The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow is a little bit more, let's have some character
8: fun. The Marvel series at the minute just yes. seems to be doing that sort of, the realism, yes. human side of things better. Uh, and the final thing we should talk about, really, is the fact that uh, Agent Marvel of Carter... Yes. Uh, so I, just, I have Agents of Marvel, Shield, with Agent Marvel Carter, yeah. um, has vanished and disappeared with a, a finale, which mm-hmm. is, a, again, a very good episode. It well, we don't actually
1: know with... if there's going to be a third season yet, because oh, no. she's been poached for another pilot oh, on no. FX Network in the States. Well, she's good. Where she's actually playing a character called Carter, that oh. was in a legal drama. Oh, okay. so it depends on if Hayley Atwell mm. has time.
8: Well, the thing was, it was I liked it better in season 1 when it was a the timing of it was in between yeah. the series of or the breaks in shield, in shield, so yes. shield and then Carter for 6 weeks and they, they could do that again.
1: Well, she's got to turn up in the timeline to shop pop a bit in Winter Soldier of course wow. so she has to return at some point she
8: has a daughter as far well as I can see somewhere or yes. well, granddaughter who's in the next Captain America movie someone's called Carter in that yeah. but, um,
1: but she was in that she was in Avengers of course at the yeah, start yeah. she was in Ant-Man as part of the oh. yeah because she was in S.H.I.E.L.D. at that time when you had the whole thing about how um, what's his face original Ant-Man Michael Douglas mm-hmm. wasn't going to hand over the pin Particle technology so um, she was popped up in S.H.I.E.L.D. there. see
8: that Oh, I've got to see that now. Oh, um, you need to watch Iron Man. But Agent Carter was a great series, and I mm. hope it continues yeah. because it ended on a massive cliffhanger, mm-hmm. um, especially with one of the characters being shot and the file of Agent Carter being taken away. So who yes, now we oh,
1: need it? to know what happens with Jarvis, of course, and how he gets yeah. turned into a computer. Oh, yeah. well, he
8: won't spend all of his life as a disembodied yes. voice. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, there's, that was a great ending to a mm-hmm. great series, and I hope now you've just made me sadder than when uh, Bobby and Cass, uh, Bobby and Hunter left because I can't
1: imagine that they wouldn't renew it. Yeah. But it's on Haley Atwell's timescale, I think.
8: Yeah. But you like
1: got you got Marvel's Most Wanted, which will fill the off season of Shield, I think, yeah. and that's, yeah, that's where they've gone <laughs> to do that.
8: How they has that got a TV deal here yet?
1: Uh, pilot is done, I believe, and recorded in the camp. <laughs> um, Synopsis Netflix. has been released. Don't say Netflix but it might be coming out soon.
8: Don't say Netflix. Don't say Netflix. Talking about Netflix, oh, Daredevil. Oh,
1: you. Ooh, you need to watch Daredevil.
8: I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Don't you rub need, it in.
1: You need to watch that. I
8: would love to be a TV <laughs> correspondent that had time for all these shows, but I barely, I haven't got. If none.
1: there's one season on series show on yeah. Netflix, it is mm-hmm. Daredevil.
8: And now that we'll Agent Marvel of Carter's gone, I can start on The Walking Dead. So I am behind. Mm-hmm. Game <laughs> of Thrones returns on the 25th oh, of April, of course, that, and we'll
1: be actually doing a special Game of Thrones show in the next couple of weeks. So uh, have a listen mm-hmm. out for that one.
8: Might get to do a Walking Dead special soon, so listen out mm-hmm. for that. But uh, for the moment, my series of the day. Uh, I want to say, I want to say, well, Agent Carter is a series at the, at the moment, but the episode of the week will be Shield with the emotional farewell. Yes, uh, Flash did well with its cliffhanger. Yes, but Shield rescued an annoying plot device that, for me, is about the captured people telling you how they got captured and wasting yes. time but yeah then they they got on with it and said goodbye which was really sad and actually worked mm-hmm. for me so shield wins well, this week we'll see what happens next week i don't get to see things in i haven't seen this week by the time you hear this yes. super good have aired and i don't know how that will be so well i think
1: it. tightening up the crew will help okay. shield a little bit more focused now you got still, electricity boy yeah too.
8: we still haven't heard of gash Mm. What's happening with Lash? Mean, lash. So my, word, my words. My Well, he's uh,
1: escaped, so he's out there in the mm, world somewhere. We
8: need to hear from Lash,
1: and we need to find out what happened to Deathlock because he hasn't been in it this entire yeah, season. We yes need
8: to see Gun? So we need Gun back. We need uh, Lash back. We need all the. He was supposed to be the big bad of the series, so we need him back. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that is yeah, Agents of Shield, my series of the week.
1: Thank you very much, Paul. Okay. And we'll hear you from you next week.
8: Yeah. Right. So now we're going to have a little bit of chat about Kidscon, where
1: I was lucky enough to attend last Friday, and Guy got to go down on his Sunday. It was your first ever convention, wasn't it, Guy?
7: I did. Uh, Ryan very oh, yes. much nicely asked me if I'd like to go on Sunday and uh, attend, and yeah, it was uh, it was an experience to say the least.
1: Yeah. So what did you? What kind of sights did you see whilst you was there? I can honestly say, going in, I I just didn't know what to expect. Yeah.
7: Like you told me about it, and I'd mm. listened to the show a couple of weeks ago when you had the the preview. I, I just yeah. Yeah, we had Hugh and
1: Ian in, sorry, just to make a note there.
7: So um, I I didn't know what to expect, so I went Mm -hmm. in, and there was people in costumes, lots of people (laughs) in costumes. It was like going to a Hollywood party of cartoon characters. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was such a great atmosphere. I mean, when I went on the Friday, it was just as registration was kicking in, everybody was there, everybody was up for a great weekend. Such a great atmosphere. Everybody seemed to get on really well. I mean, was that your kind of feeling that you had there? Yeah, then the people I spoke to, there was just a general nice sense
7: of community about it. Like, an ex- like feeling it's accepted. Um, you know, it's sort of... That's what I liked about it. Everybody yeah. was happy to see each other. There was just a nice sense of community, which yeah. you know is what you want from an event like that.
1: And I think everybody was there to have fun, and you could tell that quite a lot, that everybody was there for great. I mean, we actually got a chance to have a quick chat with quite a few of the people wandering around there. Uh, so we're going to have a quick chat now with... Um, a few of the staff and gophers that were there so we've got v and loz who do the cosplay we have mark who does the charity committee and we'll send out the charity committee details later as well on our twitter feed and we also got to chat to one of the gophers so here's a quick chat with a couple of the guys from from the convention Right. so now i'm chatting to v and loz who are the cosplay officers for kids gone uh, hello both
9: Hello, hello.
1: So cosplay, con, its probably the most anonymous thing with the event. Yeah. So explain how you go through the process of getting the cosplay event set up.
6: Uh, well, it's a joint effort between the two of us. Yeah, we kind of give ourselves the roles certain events. Yeah. So I'll do like the big masquerade event on the Saturday, and then Bill we'll get the one on the Sunday—the mm-hmm. talent competition—and yeah. then the bits in between, we just kind of share the roles. Mm-hmm. Um,
9: the, the way that we started was Lars used to Lars has done it for years, but I joined on as just a friend and she asked for my help so we both split it now yeah, and it makes it so much easier. It
6: does, yeah. So, but yeah. we um we do like communicate a lot online and mm-hmm. make sure we are get everything sorted.
9: But our job mainly takes place on the on the Saturday and Sunday so Fridays are really chill for us. It's so, yeah.
6: really chilled out. I just get to yeah, see what kind of costumes and do a bit of weapon check in and mm-hmm. just make sure everyone's mm-hmm. following the rules and everything. Yeah.
1: What got you both into cosplay in the first place? Uh,
6: funnily enough, um,
9: going out and being at university. I'm sure people have had pirate nights out and stuff like that. Um, I just started putting together costumes for that and that led me to conventions and so that's how I got into it.
6: <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years now and we went um, just with a friend at uni. And we just went along for a laugh, and we actually really enjoyed it.
1: So, what part of cosplay do you both enjoy? Is it designing your outfits, picking your outfits, or is it the actual dressing up?
6: I actually love dressing up
9: with a friend. I actually prefer joint costumes over anything else, and that's my favourite bit about it—like actually being a part of a group. Me and me and Lars actually always do Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, you know. And it's always we're best friends anyway, so we wander around like holding hands, and people love it. So yeah, that's what I love about it.
6: Well, I actually work as a seamstress, so I really like making the costumes. I blood, sweat and tears go into a lot of my stuff, <laughs> so I do really enjoy the making process and choosing all the fabrics and the pretty trims and stuff. But, yeah, wearing it is... is is. Like a, a good end result. Mm.
1: Who's your favourite cosplay? You mentioned Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Harley <laughs> Quinn. Sorry, <laughs> get there, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be those two or do you do multiple favorite. cosplays?
6: Oh, gosh. I think uh, together it's, it's my favourite. Together, Ivy definitely. And yeah. Because I think personality-wise we're very similar yeah. to the characters.
9: Definitely. Yeah. Um, what else do we do? We're, we've actually got a cosplay panned for the future which I think might be my favourite. We're actually going to do White Chicks.
1: <laughs> From the, um, oh, who was it? The Wayne That's
9: So we're going to do Tiffany and (laughs) Brittany, (laughs) 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 should be good. Yeah, yeah. but we we
6: do always choose characters that we reflect. You know, our personalities reflect really well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Harley and Ivy is the best together. Yes, I'd say so. Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
1: Everybody at Kitacon is a volunteer, so how did you both get yourself involved with the volunteering to start off with? Was it just attending the conventions?
9: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I went to university with our chairman, uh, Phil, so I knew him through that. He got me into the convention scene. I met everyone kind of on that side of it. It's funny, kind of, who you know, you end up getting roped into things. Then you get kind of involved in committee stuff and things, so for me it was just a natural form
6: kind of thing yeah, yeah well, I've been here since the very first kit con and it was just like a group of friends just decided hey let's start a convention for a laugh and uh, that was back when it was like a 200 person con <laughs> or something and then it's just over the years it's just spanned into this pretty epic event
1: I'm trying to coordinate a thousand people and get them into the right place at the right time can be a bit of a fun planning event. (laughs)
6: Yeah, it's stressful, but, you know, the Sunday night when it's all done and dusted, it's just really amazing feeling that you've done. It's so worth it. it, KitnaCon is so personal
9: to people as well. It's it's like their favourite convention, so making it something special
6: for them is is really enjoyable.
1: And you have a cosplay parade as well.
6: We actually have guest judges, so Mm. this year we've got a cosplay guest so if you're right who's an, an amazing cosplay yeah, yeah yeah and then we've got two other amazing cosplayers who actually won the competition last year so we've invited them back to be judges mm-hmm. so we do have guest judges every year
1: mm-hmm. do you usually have a personal cosplay pick for yourselves though in the background
9: always yeah. um, the first year we actually did it together we were on the masquerade uh, at the very end kind of to go we want our spotlight now <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> so yeah it was a lot of fun yeah mm. but obviously we couldn't enter the competition or anything no. for that one because no. that would be unfair but yeah. it was a lot of fun
1: and if we want to find more about your own personal cosplays where could we find you online?
9: Uh, I am EV11 on uh, Facebook um, and I've also got a blog on Tumblr as well by the same name.
6: Yeah, I'm just uh, I've got a Cosplay Island account, I'm just Lozzy on Cosplay Island. So, sat here
1: with Mark now, who's the charity liaison for Kids Gone, and you do quite a lot of work with local and national charities yep. around the convention scheme yep. so can you tell me a little bit about it?
0: Yeah, so every year we do like to support some very special causes. This year we've chosen two charities that mean a lot to us uh, we've got the Attitude Is Everything guys they help a lot of deaf and disabled people get access to music gigs and and other such performances yeah it, it is very good they've, they've got a lot of support from the industry as well they're starting to break into some big festivals and places like that and they've really worked hard to turn it into a really big thing in the industry
1: yeah
3: i mean because music is
0: the great level of it, yeah it, it's it's the great uh, connector really everyone yeah. has some music that they like so they've they've managed to get people mm-hmm. into it that normally wouldn't have access yeah. So we've got them, and then we've got the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, mm-hmm. who was set up in memory of Sophie Lancaster by her mother. Yeah. It was a terrible uh, murder, yeah. and they are a, a wonderful organisation that do everything they can to reduce hate crimes for subcultures yeah. and people with sort of alternative hobbies and lifestyles. Effectively,
1: yeah. and as it comes more into the mainstream, of course, where the subcultures now is starting to blend in. Yeah, uh, especially yeah, it's, it's the forwards,
0: yeah, so it's, so it's, it's never been more important, really, and. Cosplay is becoming such a big thing, and and general. I mean, over the past ten years, the convention scene itself has become such a huge thing in mm-hmm. the UK. And with not just the residential conventions, but the expos and yeah. the big ones as well, the, the Comic Cons and everything, it's really starting to become a big thing. And the subcultures do cross over with the alternative yeah. uh, scene as well. So it really is a, a wonderful thing that they're doing.
1: I and so what kind of charity work do you do around
0: the convention? So we uh, we we do as much as we can really from uh, running around with buckets for people to chuck their loose change into holding a charity auction where we have some really wonderful pieces, yeah. some things that aren't always available to the public yeah. so that people can get a, a special little bit from the convention and give towards the charity as well
1: Yeah, I mean at the moment
0: we're surrounded by a very limited edition game boxes. Yeah, we, we've had one <laughs> One person has donated a, a ridiculous amount of stuff, and that that speaks to the level of love that the um, that the convention scene generates. Is there are people out there with that good heart that will just go, "Here are some very precious things. Please have it." Yeah. We've had a wonderful donation from TT Games as well, right. who do all the Lego yeah, LEGO, the Lego based games yeah, LEGO, of LEGO something that one. never never gets sold. It's a little trophy that is usually given only to staff, usually quite strictly, and they've donated us one of those as well. That's so so it's really super rare. If you able to attend this year's event. you also att- accept donations online yeah, so? yeah the the answer is if you want to donate yeah. go direct to the charities yeah. they'll always be willing to get some help
1: right so i'm speaking to emma who's one of the volunteers here or slash gophers and um, tell us a little bit about yourself emma uh,
10: my name's obviously emma I, um, most people know me as emu i tend to cosplay a lot so if you see a gopher wearing bunny ears or strange things that's generally me you often find me in Cosplay HQ. I'm the one that basically will help you stitch yourself back into your costume that has fallen apart. So if you need help, please come and see me. I do not mind. I have seen everything. <laughs>
1: That's brilliant. So uh, can you explain a little bit how, about the Gopher procedure. How did you get involved and join? get the con
10: um, I basically uh, on the um, registration form there's a little box which you tick to say would you like to help out I ticked yes and little did I know I opened a can of worms and signed my life away because now I have my time has been taken to volunteer basically managing queues helping everyone be everywhere and I get ordered around a lot but it's all fun and games because we help this con basically be the con that it is <laughs>
1: That's such an amazing con you've got such an amazing variety of- array of people here in cosplay so how many cons have you been to now
10: too many to count i started cosplaying when i was 12 i'm now 22 i've i've done 10 years of cosplay and ever since i started cosplay i started attending conventions so in 10 years probably over 30 conventions
1: and what would you describe the Kitcon experience like
10: Kitcon is a very close knit friendly community we know everyone us gophers are the friendly faces that you need to talk to if you need help everything is really close by so you don't have to walk far we're inside so your cosplay will not be damaged by the wind and rain which is always wonderful yeah we are really just a friendly convention and at the end every night we also have a nice bit of fun at the party
1: (laughs) so if anybody could want to have a look at your cosplay online where could they find you
10: Um, I'm on Cosplay Island username the emo emu if you look that up i've got a list of all my completed costumes uh, so go and check them out and if you like them give me a shout
1: and that was emma the emo emu to finish off there so that was a good way to just hear about what the uh, pretense of uh, kit and the way they do it is so they talk about their uh all made up of volunteers, the entire committee is volunteers, it's done a non profit racist, do quite a lot for charity. Um, they also have quite a few cool dealers there um, who um, have a really weird selection and range of wares that you can have a look. Did you have a look at the dealers section when you was there, Guy? I
7: did. Uh, I nearly bought my girlfriend a Totoro teddy bear. She's going to listen back to <laughs> this and wonder where that teddy bear is because I didn't buy her.
1: I stole it. i
7: bought it for ryan um no i did there was some interesting merchandise on sale i like i like the old games for sale that was quite yeah that was really cool retro gaming yeah was was a bit of sync for everybody there like comics and manga dvds yeah
1: yeah there was comics dvds uh some independent games guides were there loads of random things in gundam uh llamas which was a big one that we saw loads of llamas floating around there um but um so we're just going to have a quick chat now with some of the dealers that were there uh, so have a quick listen Right. so I'm currently in the dealer hall uh, there's a massive amount of dealers here lots and lots of fun geeky things we've got stuffed llamas uh, 8-bit art Lot. and uh, I'm just going to go around now and have a quick chat with a couple of the dealers and I'm now speaking to John who's from CSR Studios and he's releasing a new game this year called Dead Pixels 2 and John, could you tell us a little bit about uh, Dead Pixels 2 is a procedurally generated
11: side-scrolling shooter with guns, loot, zombie and up to four-player co-op mhm
1: so, um, you've done Dead Pixels 1, I assume, as this is Dead Pixels 2. Uh, so, what is the inspiration for the game?
11: Uh, well, it's weird. A lot of people haven't actually heard of the original Dead Pixels and presume it's a joke because um, mm-hmm. it's Dead Pixels 2 straight, uh, straight to video. Yeah. But, yeah, there was a Dead Pixels 1. Um, it, the original inspiration was, for Dead Pixels 1 anyway, was that a lot of indie devs make zombie games out of the fact that zombies have easy AI. <laughs> and as someone that was a big fan of horror movies, I was kind of a little disappointed with a lot of these movies a lot of these um, games and so I kind of felt like well what, what would a game made by someone who really liked zombie movies be like and so that was kind of an inspiration and then I, I started taking inspiration from games like River City Ransom and um, dungeon crawling procedurally generated
1: games So roguelike games if you've played one of those in the first year Yeah,
11: yeah the original uh, Dead Pixel started life as a roguelike but it kind of it, I moved away from the permadeath I've still got a lot of other things like um, procedurally generated weapons and um, areas but uh, I kind of stay away from the the permadef. unless you want that, you can turn that on.
1: So you hear it, it's gone.
11: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in the middle of like a kind of um, I'm not sure what you'd call it, but I'm going from like event to event to event, yeah. and so I'm I'm at the midpoint right now a few of three weekends of doing events, and mm-hmm. um, just trying to get like some feedback and some more refinements to um, the the demos, so that like the next event goes even smoother and the next one goes even smoother. When will you be up and running and releasing the game Uh, I'm hoping like towards the end of the year Uh, oh I I feel like I've said that every year (laughs) but I don't know everything's kind of falling into place now and my, I've realised that I need help in some things and kind of hired someone to do some art here and there and, and I've got people doing music here and there so it's it's all coming together now and I'm hoping for end of this year
1: that's brilliant where can we find more information about the game and yourself
11: um, so there's uh, deadpixels2.com uh, there's the Facebook page which is Dead Pixels the game and then there's Twitter
1: which is CSR underscore studios right, so if you're interested in a procedurally generated zombie game keep an eye out for that and uh, give So I'm now here with Sticky Hunter And you do custom jewellery, prints, pixel art, plushies
4: Uh, I mainly do uh, digital art So I have about 500 uh, art prints to sell at this con I, I also have some of my stickers from pixel art that I've done And just general like designs and stuff in case people want that uh, I also have some lion plushies from Steven Universe that I've custom made, so there's a few of those. Also a lot of sketches, so I have examples <laughs> and some one-offs uh, in a different book in case Steve want to have the sketches done when they're here. Yep. Uh, and then I have like some earrings that I've made and some cross stitches. So what
1: got you into Pixelite in the first place?
4: It's actually where I started off when I was like thirteen. is when I first got my got a first tablet. And I started off doing pixel art and stuff with bases. And then I moved into doing completely different stuff and doing a lot of just general digital art and d- digital drawing. And now I also do a lot of pixel art because it's, it's still a very cutesy and I think it's got a, a place in my heart.
1: And where can we find you online if customers want to buy it? And unfortunately, not here at KidsCon this weekend.
4: Uh, you can find me on Tumblr under the same name, Sticky Hunter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under The Sticky Hunter. Generally, if you search anywhere for Sticky Hunter, you'll find me.
1: I'm now here with Adam from 1DC designer and you do custom laser cut products including dice towels
12: and goggles. That is correct. Essentially the bulk of our work is custom work. So we've had people come up and order coasters, we've done comics dividers uh, for really discerning collectors who want to have something a little bit special. Yeah, have their initials and such engraved on their comics dividers which is cool. Uh, yeah, we've got dice towers, goggles, you name it really. Wood for specs, foam, leather. All of it. Why dice towers? Pretty bluntly. I love yeah. role playing <laughs> <laughs> games. The wackier the better. And I've looked around I've wanted a dice tower for ages and in one of those kind of 2am Flash of inspiration. I went, hang on. I've got a dice tower, but it's a big block of wood it doesn't fit in my bag very well. And it's too nice to move. Like, you know, it's it's all fancy on it, but it's this big block of wood. Why do we not have flat pack ones? So <laughs> I went and looked them up and they're not a thing. They're people will ship them flat pack, but then you glue them together. So you found your niche then? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bit of a niche, but it's also just a. Uh, it was one of those just 2am flash of inspiration. I went, I wonder if I can do this. A few hours sat next to the laser cutter, you know, a few. Like prototypes that just didn't work and then yeah settled on one that was quite nice actually and I've brought these here today.
1: And so this is your first ever dealer convention?
12: It is indeed it's the uh, first time I've ever been dealing kind of properly, I've sold stuff previously directly to people but first time a convention, especially one as renowned as Kitacon. It is a very well-known convention yeah. So yeah, I'm quite excited really If we're, say, you're unable to be at Kitcon Where can we find you online? So it's 1d6.co.uk We'll take you to the Facebook page at the minute And shortly at the Etsy store after Kitcon's finished
1: can We find you on Twitter
12: At 1d6design Even if you go to 1d6.uk online It'll just ping you to everything And here
1: and I am now with Matthew from Retreat Bit And you do hammer, bead, jewellery and accessories Yes, yes, I do.
13: They're hammer or perla if you're US.
1: So wow. I can see lots of Steven Universe, Journey. There's
13: a lot of undertale, Undertaken a lot of undertale. So how did you get into doing uh, bead jewellery? It was uh, back in 2010. Uh, we were visiting the London MCM and a friend of ours was doing a small stall with hammer beads. I decided to start doing my own, took a few products to the MCM after that and people told me to get a table and we've been doing... This for nearly five years now,
1: and do custom designs?
13: Yeah, I mean, most of the designs I use are pre-existing stuff. So the Mario, there's a couple of Zelda bits and pieces from the old um, Game Boy and NES games. Undertale, there's a lot of it's very pixelated style, but anything that isn't so Journey was yeah. original stuff. Uh, Steven Universe was all brought in. Some of the like the little Spider-Man and Deadpool, this um, Splatoon are all Custom done by myself on MS Paint beforehand.
1: <laughs> and if you're not at the convention, where can we find you online? Uh
13: the website is RetrateBit. That's R E T R 8BIT dot com. Yeah, we're on Twitter, Facebook, we have an Etsy store as well, if you prefer that over the website. Uh we're on Tumblr as well. If you just search the word retro bit on Google, there's just a plethora of social media and links there.
1: So that was our dealers. Um, apologies if you've been listening to the live stream. I think we've had a few uh, dropouts there. Hopefully, it should be back and up and a little bit stable now. Uh, so that was a few of the dealers from around the dealers table. Uh, we also had a chance to chat to a few of the cosplayers. Well, Guy did. Um, what was your opinion on the cosplay, there, Guy? I mean, some of them were absolutely amazing. I mean, yeah, quality. I mean, I mean, you can
7: see like a real time and effort that's gone into the costumes that have been made. Um, mm. Real dedication, and you know, some of these people really genuinely look like the characters they're trying to yeah. portray and I saw some definitely I saw some really interesting costumes because I expected yeah. a lot to be a manga characters but I saw someone dressed as Fixit Felix from Wreck-It Ralph
1: yeah I saw um, uh, when I was there I saw a couple of uh, Geralt from uh, The Witcher okay series of games there was a guy dressed as one of the Digimon yeah and it was an absolutely <laughs> massive costume I don't, I don't know how the guy managed to cope walking around because it was <laughs> just huge but we had a quick chance to chat to some of the cosplayers so you can hear a little bit from them now
8: what brings you guys to Kitacon. <laughs> The partying and
14: the drinking—I imagine—but the people,
15: like getting to hang out with people who've got similar interests to yourself, is nice. And
14: everyone's very accepting, very yeah. welcoming,
15: yeah, very nice like
7: atmosphere.
16: In today. Yeah.
7: And what do you feel makes the event successful?
14: I think it does have that proper sense of like a community. Yeah,
4: I think it is. The yeah, yeah,
14: and it's like you've got a committee, and we've co- we've come here you know year after year, and you know you know the committee, you yeah. know them by name, you know what they're like as people, yeah. and the, they come to the parties, and you get to speak to them and stuff. So yeah, really very inclusive yeah. kind of group. Yeah. And other than the characters
7: you dress up as today, do you all have different characters that you oh, come yeah. as? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
14: we've got three or four. Yeah. Usually an outfit a day, yeah, yeah, generally, yeah. yeah. Work we'll hard to change it each year. Yeah. <laughs> Try and do a new one each year, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you been taking part in any
7: of the events here yourselves? I know there's been cosplay chess going on. Have you yeah, yeah. <laughs> we
17: generally
15: just attend the events rather than participate. Yeah.
7: You know? kind
14: well, of, you've kind of got your main ones every year, like the Cosplay Masquerade, Kit has got talent, yeah, um, yeah. kind of the, the big events that everyone goes to. So we'll go to them, and we might go to another panel or two. But we're kind of there for the main events and the party and then kind of you know, meeting people and taking photos and stuff.
7: And have you seen anything that has impressed you guys? I mean your is really impressive anyway, but have no. you seen anything I'm, which I'm has impressed you? I'm
14: loving the whole Undertale thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't realise it had taken off as much as it has done. Yeah. And I'm really gutted that I didn't even think to <laughs> to do one. So, but yeah, Everyone it's has really a lot of effort and anyway. yeah, yeah, see something definitely. Yeah, I think the metaton we saw with the light with the light up space it's over okay, there was really yeah. impressive, yeah. And how would you sort of describe the event to people who maybe have never been before? Or like what would you say to them to get them to come along and um, if you're a bit if you're hesitant or nervous, don't be. As we said everyone's everyone, really everyone's nice everyone's really nice and you might think, Oh, my outfit's not very good. Yeah. People might tease me, not at all. People yeah. Yeah. are no, it's very it's accepting really yeah. safe environment. It's a good safe. way to
15: get into new things because you see things you've never seen before and talk to people about different series and it's, yeah, and you it's can a way just, to expo- expand your horizon you
14: can just start talking to people like yeah. really randomly yeah, really quickly asking but...
15: people what their costume is you can
16: just make friends easily. so it's nice
15: yes. it's yeah.
7: brilliant yeah <laughs> what brings you guys to Kitacon today
16: uh, well this is my fourth Kitacon so I'm kind of a veteran now and I just come every year to see my friends and to cosplay and have fun with some like-minded people and yourself well, this is my first one, so I want to come here and experience what it's like and just come and have fun with my friends and look at pretty people.
7: <laughs> what do you think makes the event so special?
16: I think it's uh, being able to hang around with so many people who are just so friendly and nice and all of the convention staff do it like completely voluntary and just the dedication and hard work that gets put into these kind of events, that's what makes it special, it's just the way we are for each other.
7: Cool. And up then your costumes today, who else have you got in your cosplay repertoire?
16: Um, I've done Izaya from Drarara. I'm do. I've done Fox Ivy from DC Comics. I've done know, a couple of Vocaloids in the past, like Miku and Rin, and a few others as well. And yourself? I do like a lot of League of Legends cosplays. So like um, I've done like a few different Sonas, and I've done Ari and like Caitlyn before. Um, and I've also done quite a few Love Lives, as I'm doing today as well. Mm-hmm.
7: What events have you guys been taking part in, and any characters you're looking to see in particular?
16: Um, I've run two of the panels for the convention, the How to Make a Good AMV and the Yuri panel. Um, I've also attended a couple of the more explicit panels, and I'll be attending the AMV panel later. Um, And then the Cornest Cut panel, which is run by some friends of mine, Team Neko, that one's always a good one to go to as well.
10: And
7: how would you describe sort of the scene at KitCon if uh, someone hadn't been before?
16: Uh, full of geeks, nerds, weebs and people that just want to have fun. It's different from the other ones, conventions, and it's really unique, I'd say that. What's
7: the strangest request you've had as from a fan?
16: I really get a lot of strange requests, um, which is strange considering the kind of panels that I run, but I think... Probably the weirdest one that I get asked a lot when I'm doing Nico is for people to get me to repeatedly say her little phrase that she does in the anime. So I practice it so often, apparently it's pretty on point now.
7: Fantastic. Thank you. So uh, what, what brings you guys to Kitcon?
16: We
15: actually come every year. This is like the fifth time we've been. It's pretty much what got us into the cosplay scene in the first yeah. place. And it's probably the most fun convention in the UK, without a doubt.
7: And do you want to talk? Our audiences, who probably can't see what you're wearing, but what your <laughs> costumes are.
15: Um, I'm dressed as Lincoln from High Warriors, and I'm super proud because I made my own crossbows that work. And we're going a bit retro and back to childhood. Um, we've got Chip, Dale, and Gadget from Rescue Rangers back from the kids. So we've got Indiana Jones style Chip, uh, Magnum PI
17: style Dale, and Gadget as well.
7: Fantastic. and uh, what do you think makes the event successful
17: uh, I'd say it's the community of people every time you come
18: everyone's super friendly whether you're old whether you're new uh, whether you've been before how you know no matter how old you are or what you like to dress as it's just a community of people get together have fun lots of discussions yeah just just the community everyone's really welcoming and just very good with each other.
15: And you get to see people you wouldn't have seen for an entire year that yeah. you met here in the first place, and it's great to see every year them come back again and again.
7: Yeah, it's a nice sense of community. About uh, yeah, it. it's
15: yeah. got a lovely sense Thanks of community. Yeah.
7: And then there's a lot of people walking around in costumes, I and mean, you guys must have seen some way you've been like, wow, that's incredible. It's well, yeah, sure. that's why I
15: like coming because you look and you see, oh my god, I could go home and do that and think, and you can get pick up tips like we did the cosplay masquerade yeah. yesterday, and I spent the whole time asking people questions on how they'd made their armor. Yeah, it's a big learning curve, <laughs> definitely. You, you get to see the best place ever to people watch. Just even when you're sitting having your lunch, you can't eat your sandwich because you're just like, oh my gosh, look at that! Oh my gosh, look at that! It's brilliant.
7: It's almost like celebrity spotting, in yeah. a way. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the best part of cosplay for you guys? Or what is the sort of what do you enjoy the most about doing it?
15: I enjoy the making of it because I like making things anyway. But it's sort of seeing it all come together. Like yesterday, we did a, a group cosplay all together. So seeing all four of us putting the pieces together and finally walking out the door and being like, "Oh my gosh, we've you know we've nailed this. We've got we're it." We'll now the cast it. Of Crash yeah, we're now the cast of Crash Bandicoot. Now that was awesome. Yeah. Seeing, I think it's fun to make it, but seeing it all come together is the sort of like the pièce de résistance. It's the absolute. Of it I know
7: mean, it's the last day of the festival. But are you like, is what is there anything else you're looking forward to here or to see tonight?
15: closing ceremonies so the AMV contest as well I just say. like the I like the just closings like the parties yeah. here are also fantastic so yeah. the closing party is always brilliant and the and the just cheesy 90s music yeah. and I get to wear a ball gown this evening yeah it's always good <laughs> always nice
1: <laughs> and that was uh, some of the cosplay attendees there um, so really cool I mean, as I said they uh, it, it's the, it's the people who attend who make the atmosphere there I mean As you can see that everybody was having a great time, I think. It's fair to say there.
7: I think so, yeah. I mean it was just fun to talk to some of the people and just get a feel for their passion for it and Mm -hmm. their costumes. And I suppose in the way they just it it just it's nice because they are so proud of what they've done with the effort and yeah, there just seems to be a lot of love for that festival. that well, yeah. fe- festival?
1: <laughs> convention.
7: Convention. See, there yeah. you go. That's, you can tell I'm a, uh, a convention virgin. I'm just yeah. saying festival all the time.
1: No, it was a great one. As I mean, as it's a residential convention, they're there for three days from start to finish, and you can see from the atmosphere there, it's really community and it's an open community and they're all willing and happy to talk about what's going on um so next we're just gonna have a quick chat to some of the special guests that were in attendance there so we had melissa a joy who was uh actually there with her first novel uh we had and you guy chatted to um who was it sorry mr b Gentleman uh, R- mr b Gentleman Ryman R- and one of the um charity people from Attitude is Everything as That's well. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, have a listen to this one, guys. I'm sat here now with Melissa A. Joy, who's just released her first fantasy novel. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about the book, Melissa?
18: Yeah, the title is uh, Keys of the Origin. I started writing it about 16 years ago when I first created the world, the world of Eldin. I started writing when I was approximately 13. It took me several attempts writing the first few chapters to get the story to flow as I wanted it to because there's a big, big plot line with lots of different characters and trying to keep track of them all. It does become difficult the more you write. Mm But I would urge anyone with the same kind of dream to sort of press on with it.
1: So you must feel very proud that you've got your book out there into the wild?
18: Yeah, it's actually now available, more officially today than before.
1: Uh, Where can people purchase your book? Is it online or is it in retail? At the
18: moment it's just on Amazon, but we're hoping to get it out into different sellers in the next couple of months. Hopefully, so we'll be we hope to get it into bookstores at some point, but at the moment it's just Amazon.
1: So you can find the book on Amazon. And what was the name of the novel again?
18: Keys of the Origin.
1: Keys of the Origin, so you can find it on there. And how would you describe the novel?
18: High dark fantasy, a bit of a mix of all of it, really. I've got ancient race that bear winged warriors called the Drachnir, There are dragons, there are elves, I know, and there are, in the world, there are also vampires and different types of demons. A lot of people would say all those things are very cliche, but I think they're. Fundamental aspects, you know, of what makes, I suppose, adventurous epic fantasy what it is. Because I've read a lot of books in the in recent years that have been what I call a bit more tame, mm-hmm. sort of set in one place, doesn't don't go very far. You know, yeah. I'm more of a fan of the uh, the real adventure, high sorcery you know, yeah. side of fantasy. I'm trying to sort of bring that back a bit.
1: Yeah, so more of the classic, full adventure, go on an epic quest, that kind of fantasies where you... Yeah, the sort of
18: thing you find in um, Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms, that sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. And uh, so where can we find you online?
18: Define Imagine MJ, my name on uh, on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook as well. It's Definitive Imagination MJ on, on Facebook, but you could probably just find me looking up Melissa Ray Joy. And
1: you have a website that we can go to? Yeah,
18: the website is currently go- undergoing some refurbishment at the moment, but the address is www.eldenlaw.com and that a-E-L-D-Y-N-N Eldin. The website will be back up and running hopefully in the next couple of weeks.
7: So I'm here today with Eileen Hutchinson at Kitacon in Birmingham and just for our listeners Eileen, can you tell us what your panel Getting Legless with the Legless was all about?
17: Well it was a bit of fun talking about people with all sorts of disabilities physical or hearing problems or moving about problems or whatever their specific problem was that makes it difficult for them to get to conventions or festivals or gigs and last year Um, Kitcon asked us to come along um, because we were the nominated charity for them. So last year they made us over £3,000, which was used, towards people with disabilities, which was absolutely brilliant. And luckily they've asked again if we could be their nominated charity. And that's how I got here this year. And
7: how do you feel that the attendees of Kitcon have embraced the charity?
17: Oh, they are amazing people. So one thing I find about conventions, everybody is so friendly and so nice. I have actually come on my own and I've never been left. Alone once, everybody comes and they'll offer to get me cups of tea or cider or whatever, and everybody is amazing and em- embrace this charity really well.
7: And uh, what do you think about event like kitacon makes it so special?
17: Well, I think it's the fact that uh, Kitcon, particular, we and all the other ones that um, the charity attitudes everything do, is that we can actually get here. It's very difficult sometimes even just to get in a building or to bring the equipment that you need to carry cases and all that type of stuff. And I know that kind have worked really hard with Attitude to try and make sure that everything I would need to get from the car with my case to be able to enjoy the convention, um, to be able to get into a panel room or get in a lift, it all goes really smoothly. And I think they've done a wonderful gold star job.
7: Do you feel that, like, the awareness you're raising will now have an impact on new people who've attended the panel and maybe future events at the Hilton? Yeah,
17: I think in general, um, attitude is everything, and uh, people like me coming around and people saying hello to us, is that before, I was sort of sat in my bedroom on my own, wishing I could come to a festival or a convention and not knowing how I was going to do it, and I felt really isolated, and all my hobbies that I really loved just disappeared overnight, basically, for me. So... I know that there's been so much improvement in the last few years. Attitude for One was set up by Suzanne Buhl in the year 2000 because she felt exactly the same. And she's worked with the music industry, with audiences, with um, people who run conventions to try and make it easier. Well, definitely to make it easier for people with any form of disability to get to festivals and feel included. We don't want to feel special. We want to feel equal. So what you could do coming to a convention I want to be able to do and when I've come to Kidcon I definitely have I've had a great time
7: (laughs) what's the most uh, what's the best thing you've seen at the event so far there's a lot of sights here to be seen so what's the best you've seen
17: I really enjoy DJ night last night Phil he's a great DJ and he puts on some brilliant party nights so I can go in there and I go around on my little electric scooter with the lights on and flashing and dancing which is brilliant I like all the panels there's some very very funny ones and there's loads of room to get in and they run their movies so I managed to watch a couple of movies last night and that was great fun. can see that you're dressed as Totoro yourself
7: today have you got a variety of outfits that you've brought to the panel previously
17: yeah last year I was Lumpy Space Princess (laughs) and I I literally was not very good at cosplay I got a stapler a load of purple net attached it to a dress and managed to go out as Lumpy Space Princess but it was quite funny using my mobility scooter because some of the areas in the Hilton are raised so people above all they could see is this little purple floating cloud moving (laughs) along so everybody's going oh my god you're flying
7: (laughs) and how can our listeners find out more about the charity if they wanted to get involved themselves or find out what, what you guys do
17: Okay, well, there is a website, everything dot org, to find out everything about attitude is everything. They have contact number, they have a Facebook page, and I think they're now on Instagram. So I think there's loads of ways of getting in touch with them. But if you're sat there and you want to come to conventions and you have a problem with some sort of mobility or hearing or sight loss, get in touch, come out here, and have a good time. Brilliant.
7: Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the rest of the convention. Got any anything planned for it, or are you just gonna see where it takes you?
17: I've been asked to be a Go for today, first time, so I'm gonna go around and see if MD needs any help, which is highly ironic, I know. <laughs>
7: okay, I'm here with Mr. B Gentleman Rhymer on Brum Radio, he's here at Kiticon and he's gonna tell me what brought him to Kiticon today.
19: What brought me to Kiticon? Well, brought me to Kiticon was Kiticon asking me to come along and play my little uh, acid ragtime DJ set. I played last year, I did my you know full you know live show type thing. And um, it was just great fun, and it seemed to go down well. It seemed to go down well enough for them to ask me back anyway. So here I am, and I'm glad to be here. So this is your second year here now. You no, know, this is only my second year. So yeah, last year was the first, and uh, yeah, it was good fun. And I was able to, luckily, I I was in Milton Keynes on Friday night, so I was able to just come over here early on Saturday and enjoy a lovely, you know, a day of, of you know, not working as it were. Not that this is really working, but a day of just seeing what's what and seeing what's going on. Have you
7: found any kick on? attendees have related to your act and got involved? Yeah, well, I think people seem to have enjoyed
19: themselves, I think, hopefully. They've, um, yes, they've certainly, you know, they seem to have taken to me. Everyone was very, very nice yesterday. Let's see, everyone's, you know, just terribly nice. What's the uh, what's the best thing you've seen here so far? What's the best thing? I, well, I did, I did pop into the uh, hentai panel yesterday, uh, which was quite fascinating. And they had, yeah, they put a virtual reality headset on on someone and they'd have to describe i think they wouldn't show what was happening on the screen they'd watch a bit of hentai and they would have to describe what was going on and then they showed show the clips afterwards apparently Phil's mum was one of the people that had the headset on she was like oh oh no oh dear that's of thing but that was yeah that was very amusing but also i ended up getting involved in the uh, keeping keep talking or you die i think it was called wasn't keep talking or you explode which was the sort of bomb disposal game when someone has basically a laptop with a bomb on it with various puzzles you have to get through for it to stop it exploding and I managed to get myself roped into trying to defuse that, which failed, <laughs> <laughs> which is a shame. Um,
7: so you use the term chap hop, how did that come to be? Um,
19: It was really the thing is I've always done hip hop, and but at the same time I've always been very interested in yeah you know, the, the notion of Britishness and old school Britishness and chapishness generally. It just seemed in the end it took a while, but in the end it seemed logical to just combine the two, and uh, yes, invent chap hop.
7: And like you've gathered a good social media presence online, so do you feel like now do you get more recognition than you ever did before, and how do you cope with that?
19: Well, I don't know. It seems it seems to come in. In sort of peaks and troughs. Occasionally, because I'm not, you know, I'm not certainly not a mainstream actor or anything like that, I've, I've got a sort of, there's a nice general level of, I don't know, fandom or people just following me and what have you, um, which is nice, but occasionally that'll spike with things like, you know, going on news night a couple of years ago and things like that, and yes, occasionally putting a video out, if it's, on oh, my chapel history videos had more than a million hits now and what have you. So there'll be these little spikes, but I mean, the good thing about it not being mainstream is that people will just, they feel like they've got a bit of ownership of you, that they've found you, but they've not been sort of marketed to, and I've not all over the TV or what have you. So, and it, t- it tends to mean that people will stick around and, and follow what you do and stick with you for a while, which is which is really nice. So it's, yes, it's never, I've never had any problem with it, it's always very very nice. I mean, like here, you know, you end up having Lots and lots of photos taken with people and things like that, but that's kind of what I'm here for, really, in a way. So, yes, it's always good.
7: Thank you. Who would your ideal collaborator be? So, someone that you'd move
19: on to work with? Roping for a duet? Who are roping? Well, I suppose a lot of the people I would have wanted roping for a duet were probably dead now. I think it'd be quite nice to do something with Chuck D. I think that'd be an interesting little juxtaposition. I think we both have the same, you know, we have the same politics at heart together, I think, you know, and yeah, it could be interesting, I think. Me and Chuck D, that'd be a good one.
7: Okay, so what advice could you give to our listeners, a geeky brummie about becoming the perfect gentleman.
19: Obviously, for starters, you must dress properly. And there's, you know, this doesn't mean to buy an incredibly expensive suit or anything like that, because you can buy everything you need from, you know, I got this little waistcoat, this little green waistcoat here from a not a charity shop, but what do you call in the states a thrift store and things like that. So, yes, it's certainly not something that costs you a lot of money to do. It's certainly, you know, worth just learning a few of the rules, like not matching pocket square and tie and things like that. But also, just work. It's all about being thoroughly decent to people, really, which I think is not something that you have to learn. It's something that's, I think, really deep down inherent in all of us, really. So it's just being like that,
7: really. And uh, being a geeky brummy. what geeky things are you into yourself? Are there any sort of little TV shows that for, or that's what what, what What are you a geek about the most? What am
19: I? Probably a bit of a sort of comedy geek in a way but it tends to be lots of um, lots of old british comedy like things like hancock's half hour and the fall and rise of reginald perrin and things like that but also up to things like you know a lot of the adult swim stuff the mike tyson mysteries and uh, and check it out with dr steve brawl and obviously things like alan partridge i think is the probably the greatest british comedy character of all time i think really i think he has been in a way that he's certainly outlasted you know obviously people say basil 40 is brilliant or something like that but that was two series and then sort of finished. Whereas Alan Partridge has just sort of been around for twenty odd years now and he's still I don't know if it's yeah, I've just watched the, the latest series of Mid Morning Matters and that's as good as anything he's ever done. Think. It's just absolutely great. Yeah,
7: probably a bit of that really. Rumour has it he might have his own uh, chat show as Alan Partridge coming, would you like to be a guest
19: on it? Well that would be superb, yes. That would be ideal. Actually oddly, my brother was my brother was a runner on the original I'm Alan Partridge series. There's things like uh, apparently there's all these little tidbits I get that there's a scene when he's on the Norfolk Broads and there's all these farmers, sh- you know, shouting at him, whatever, you calling him names. And apparently my brother was stood behind a tree and it was him that told them to start shouting, like when to start shouting. And like that. There's all these little tidbits like that I get. But yeah, he worked on it. Maybe I can get him to have a word with Coogan and say, yeah, get Mister be the gentleman. So
7: what's next, Musical.ly? You mentioned in your panel, you've got The Major
19: coming out. Yes, yes. Well, I've had one, I had a a sort of mini LP out. It's all on Bandcamp, The Major, one, bandcamp.com or what have you. That's kind of sort of slightly whimsical, Chapist electronica thing. So I had one sort of mini album out on Boxing Day. I think I should have another one out. I think it'll be out this week, actually. And this, thing, you know, this is how I, how much I plan things. So I think it'll be out this week, probably. But, yeah, someone's got to finish off a video for the sort of single from it. So I'm doing that. And then also I'm just I'm recording the new Mr. B album at the moment, which will be out probably in the autumn and there'll be another Acid Ragtime album coming out soon. Plenty of things afoot. Taking the
7: Radiohead method of uh,
19: release uh. Perhaps, yes, that's sort of... Uh, well, hopefully the Radiohead rather than the Bowie method of... But yes, no, there's no... I don't tend to have a... I have a vague plan, generally speaking, and if things come to pass roughly around that time scale, I'm usually quite happy. But never have any actual plans for dates for things to come out. But probably, I think certainly next Mr. Be the Gentleman Rhymer album will be far better planned than anything else. That'll be the one that I'll... You know, concentrate on and that sort of thing Any upcoming live dates where we can catch you? I think now I'm sure I'm coming back to Birmingham oh I'm doing there's the Birmingham Cabaret Festival in May so I'm doing let's have a look, the old joint stock I'm doing the 6th and the 7th I think and then there's a, a sort of finishing party on the 29th of May so it's, yeah three Birmingham shows in May and they're all at the old joint stop. Can it
7: down for a session then when you're, uh, when you're in Birmingham? Yes,
19: absolutely. Well, I say, if I'm doing two days in a row, I'll set, I'll be down there on the Saturday. I will pop in for that.
7: Fantastic. Thank you, Mr. B. Gentleman-Rhymer, for talking to Brum Radio and Geeky Brummy today. And as
1: you heard there, uh, we had a few of the special guests here. So Melissa A. Joy, uh, one of the team from Attitude Is Everything, and Mr. B. Gentleman-Rhymer, of course. I mean, uh, just want to say a big thank you to Kitikon, the entire team there. So you got Phil the chairman, Ian the vice chairman, and Hugh, who we had, who was the president, um, Press officer who came in a few weeks ago, all the people who had a chance to come and chat to us, so V, Loz, uh, Emo, Emu, the dealers, special guests, and the cosplayers, of course. I mean, we'll definitely be back again next year, I think. Would you say, Guy? I think I'd love to go again. I'd I'd love to go again. That's it for
0: myself and Guy this week.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the Support tab on our website, or we'll go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page, and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.